0: Hello and welcome to the very 104th Shut Up and Sit Down podcast with me, Matthew Lees. You're not
1: Matthew Lees. I am. Look,
0: we've been through this.
1: I said you could say whatever you wanted after saying 104th episode. I didn't expect you to try and steal my identity.
0: (laughs) It's an ongoing issue. This is a podcast... What's
1: it about, Matt? It's about board games. I, I know it's about board Occasionally games. Occasionally about meringues, but it's mostly about board games. There is going to be some meringue chat. In Never this about any other forms of cakes, though. Never. Never. On today's show, we're going to be talking about a bunch of things. We've been to Scotland and opened lots of tiny boxes in Scotland in Glenmore Chronicles 2. Two Chronicles, two Glenmore. It's a, it's a game full of fun ways to
0: misremember the name.
1: It's kind of fine. We'll come back to it later. We have also. Been playing a game called Rally Man GT. It's also kind of fine. Goes we'll talk so about fast. it later. Excitingly, though, more excitingly, uh-huh. we have Party Tom's Party Tom Roundup. Oh boy. In which you talk about a bunch of games, some of which ostensibly aren't really party games <laughs> at all.
0: Most of which aren't really party games.
1: But a bunch of small box games that you've been playing, and you're going to be talking about those hmm. and pointing people in the direction of a couple of gems. Real gems. I had a good time with them. Definite, definite gems. But before we go any further, let's kick things off with a talk about Oceans. Oh,
0: I very much enjoyed uh, Oceans. Yeah, Yeah,
1: it's (laughs) a kind of sequel of sorts to a game called Evolution, which Mm -hmm. came out a long, long time ago when I was a... Um, kind of a pee in the pod of shut up and sit down a little board game boy a little board game boy now, who did not know what a board game could be you're a fully grown board game boy now i am i'm almost a board game man <laughs> but not quite uh, but this game is very similar to that in terms of the dna of, of what the game is and for those of you who missed evolution or didn't see it first time around it was an intensely colorful game with lots of beautiful watercolor art of sort of semi-fictionalised... I found out, I think that's not true. I think I thought they were fictional creatures <laughs> when actually I think they were all examples of real creatures that just look odd. You couldn't believe the wonders of nature I literally that were
0: presented in front of you in it Evolution. It was
1: before they'd invented David Attenborough. Now I,
0: now I know about these things. That's but how young you were.
1: I was a long time Even ago. Even David Attenborough wasn't alive back then. It was 1703 when uh, they released Evolution, the board game. No, that's just nonsense. Anyway, the game worked in the fact that you could basically create new species by starting a species by choosing a trait and it might be that this species was armored or had big claws or wings or slippery skin etc and you would have up to three traits on each of these animals and you'd have to then feed them and the interesting thing about evolution as a game was it meant you had this shared pool of food as in you know real life where you would have to go and then nibble away at things it had a, a watering hole and it was a very fun game um, Really interesting because of the fact that you could just be like, you know what, I'm just going to build one big species that's going to eat loads of food, but have a good time. Or you could be like, you know, I'm going to build loads of little species that are going to eat everything. And it quite quickly just became a bit of a, a resource fight in the fact that it's like the yeah. first few rounds are like, hey, this is nice, isn't it? We're all making little creatures, we're all eating food. And then someone makes a creature that eats like all of the food. And suddenly I was like, but that means my creatures are going to starve. And then people start evolving their creatures to make them carnivores and then you start eating each other it was a really nice idea and it was fun to play i think it was a game that was kind of let down by being in some ways actually the production quality was quite low sure um the box was a bit shabby and um the cardboard the punch board was was pretty rough (laughs) and it was just a couple of things about it that, that left it a game that was really interesting but didn't kind of feel like it had that quality of something that could make it a classic. Now, obviously, Tom, you've not played Evolution. No, but going on the basis that it's, you can start to begin to talk about some of the, some of the some of the things that you liked as somebody who hadn't, who jumped straight into the ocean. Into the ocean.
0: I was going to say that Evolution had a watering hole in it, mm-hmm. and now we're in the watering it's hole. Water. Maybe you could combine both of the games in some kind of mad. I'm getting ahead of myself.
1: Well, they did do an expansion for evolution, which oh, had really? birds. Ah. And that meant that you had the watering hole and you also had the cliff tops. Right. Where you could basically, you could go and get some more food if you had wings. So if you had wings, <laughs> you could be like, I'm going to go and get the food up there, actually. Ah, that's funny. Um So that added. Yeah. So you can kind of see with the expansion to evolution, how they ended up with what they kind of ended up with in oceans. Yeah, sure. Do you want to go, go through some of the basics of what we're looking at?
0: Oceans, you have. Some feeding zones in front of you. You got some species. You make the species with trait cards. It's very similar to evolution, mm-hmm. but as I gather. There's a
1: big difference. The big difference is the deep, is it? It's all fishy. It's all. Well, <laughs> that's it's the first 100% difference.
0: fishy. It's a fishy <laughs> business. It's all fish. Uh, you can design all kinds of weird fish. You can design big fish. You can design speedy fish. Or with the deep cards, which is the, probably the most exciting mm. part of the game, you can design absolute monsters.
1: Yeah, bananas
0: bonkers fish. Bananas bonkers monsters. So the deep cards, the game recommends you don't play with them at first, and then you can add them in. And they add these crazy powers to your fish. So we had one game where someone was just like, any of the food that they would normally get rid of, they scored. Yes. I should probably explain how the game works before talking about the deep cards. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Uh, the way that the game works is you have these species that you make, and then you then use them to feed in either the reef, which is foraging, so it's like nice herbivores, or you can attack other players with uh, attack trait cards, which takes the fish off of their board and puts them onto yours.
1: And right from the start of the game, it's way more bitey than Evolution Mm. was, because in Evolution, if I remember correctly, you had to actually kind of give yourself specific traits that would allow you to attack other people. Whereas in this, you start the game with everything having a a forage rating of one, an attack of one. Mm -hmm. So you can start eating other creatures Almost immediately.
0: Yeah. But the exciting thing, I suppose, comes in the the cards that don't let you forage or attack, but let you gain. So like the parasites, which will, if someone does an attack, you get to gain one or leech one off of them, which is kind of you create these nice mini ecosystems. And that's the thing I loved about Oceans, especially, especially having not played uh, Evolution, is that. It gives you that feeling of building a tiny little ecosystem of your own that kind of has to interfere with other people's in strange ways.
1: Yeah. It's it's the nice balance that it still completely has is this feeling of you can be really aggressive if you want mm. to. And you can basically design an ecosystem of your own which is entirely designed to leech and steal <laughs> and take off of other people around you. You can be the bandit fish. But there's the nothing stopping man. you from like developing a kind of and last time I played, in fact, I had one big hungry species that would just like gorge itself on all of the food in the reef and then a series of very small parasites that would kind of just like take Mm. a bit of its food and it, it left me with a situation where none of my creatures really had a great deal of food for very long so for a while it meant it wasn't very appealing to try and attack me yeah the because balance was, just was like perfect more for a sense. bit wasn't it until like, everyone got really hungry and <laughs> until like, everyone well, started eating <laughs> you
0: but it was fun because then it, it's sort of a thing where you have to react to what everyone else is doing in a way that I really like so as soon as you realised that people were going to start gravitating towards the big fish that was eating loads you went ah well maybe this one's schooling so that you can't attack it mm. if it's got enough fish on it which you know, there's some nice synergies and sort of card play there.
1: Yeah, and it has, it has a fun element of a Cambrian explosion occurring halfway <laughs> through the game, as it often does, of suddenly... Because the way the species, when we talk about eating creatures, it's not like you design this creature and then someone just goes, you have to put, throw that in the bin. You have a little track that you put these little fish on, and uh, that shows how much, like, the population size of your species. And it's it's okay to have them, like, really growing and also getting eaten a lot at the same time because yes. that's the circle of life baby it's as
0: long as they don't age when they've got no because at the end of your turn you age each of your fish which is you take one of, we've sort of roundabout explained the game yeah we have, <laughs> over a we have. many minutes i think but that, yeah at the end of your turn uh you age all your fish by all your species by one fish so you take one off your board and as long as you don't have to age your species when there's nothing on your board mm. you're fine yeah um, so it's it's nice that you can be vicious, but never sort of vicious in a way that's directly going to completely screw no, someone over.
1: it's always your fault when your species die, mm. because you chose not to look after them on your turn. Which is a really subtle thing, but yeah, I had noticed that. That's a really smart piece of design. It means you kind of accept the meanness, but the meanness is never destructive. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always you that decides you're not going to feed that fish that turn.
0: It's your call, <laughs> your fault. You can definitely put
1: players in a position
0: where they have to make that call, but they're still the one
1: pulling the trigger. But yeah, it's funny. The, the, the basic game without the deep cards is very much like it reminds me of evolution. Mm. And actually in the same way, it's something that's fun, but doesn't really kind of, it's not terribly exciting. It lacks the kind of bite that makes it a thrill. Whereas the deep cards, as we said earlier, yeah. wonderful. And the fact they're that you, you buy them with your victory points. Yes, yeah. Um, You're like investing on the huge killer fish. And it means most of the time everyone. I've played this, I've, I've lost, but I haven't cared because <laughs> I've made gigantic multi-tentacled horrors. And there's a, a giant stack of these cards, and they're all basically unique. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's a it's a really fun box. It's got a lot of stuff in it. The production quality of it is fantastic. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's, the little tiny yeah. uh,
0: cardboard fish.
1: Fantastic. Well, that's it, the other, the final thing I'd say about it for now is the fact that um, we got sent um, the deluxe components and the like normal Mm. game components. And the one thing I would miss from the deluxe version is the fact that you get the nice soft bags with printed art on them, which are exactly the same sort of bags that you got in the original Evolution. Mm. Um, You don't get them in the normal version, but I'd still say the normal version is better because the cardboard fish that you're eating (laughs) have these wonderful little fish paintings on them and they're really characterful. And the big plastic chunky ones you get Look cool, but they're soulless. But
0: they're soulless. <laughs> they have no spirit of a fish, they're sleek modern fish.
1: Yeah, it's it's a pretty wonderful game. It's definitely worth a look. If you heard good things about Evolution in the past and or played Evolution and thought, "You know what? This is almost fantastic, but it isn't quite mm. enough." I think Oceans uh it, it feels like a bit of a labor of love yeah the developers. They've been working on it for a long time, I think. And I think it's a I think it's a bit of a stormer. So that is Oceans. And uh, yeah, it's great. Well, you may be hearing us talking about that in some capacity again in the future because <gasps> we've played it a couple of times, and it's t- it's tickled me. It has tickled in, me in too. in lovely ways. But
0: don't tickle the people like this without concrete proof, With Matthew. That, c- concrete proof of what that the ocean exists. <laughs> concrete proof of you dressed as a fish oh, for a yeah, video. That's,
1: that's true. Well, if we do well, a video, you gotta be a
0: you, we gotta get dressed as a fish. Yeah, we will figure
1: it out. I mean, that's true. We figure out lots of things. More on that. Later. Uh, next up, we're going to move on to a little game that I like to call Rally Man GT. <laughs> oh boy, Rally Man GT. Rally Man GT, just to serve you a slice of spiced bread, followed by a slice of slightly stale bread. Um, we thought Oceans was quite wonderful, mm-hmm. and me and Yutong, we played a, a bit of Rally Man GT yesterday, which is a, a game that came out in 2009. Yep. And it was very beloved at the time. I think it went out of print and it's been brought back into print with the rules pretty much the same, some nicer components, some bigger tiles, etc. It's an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, It didn't really excite us very much, to the point where we actually kind of stopped playing halfway through. (laughs) And that may have been simply because it wasn't quite what we wanted.
0: Uh, Yeah, Originally, we were going to do two laps, and we Mm -hmm. did one. And I feel like that was was enough. That was enough. It got me. I was like, yep, we've played this game for long enough. We've gone around this track
1: once. So... (laughs) I'll try and explain it, sure, because I think it's quite a, a, a weird one. It's a weird one to explain, <laughs> and if I if I get it, if you think listening to this, Tom, that mm. it doesn't make sense, then feel free to jump in. No problem. But on your turn, and the turn is always defined by the person who is ahead on the track. No, 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 I'm wrong already. Uh, here we go. It's the person who is in the highest gear. Yes. So the person who is in the highest gear is the person who goes first. So it has that kind of rondelly style thing of it can be your go multiple times in a row. Yeah, absolutely. If you're in the highest gear. Oh, hold no. No, that's no. not true.
0: <laughs> no. It's only so you have the gears are on these white tokens. Yes. Be the, it's white round, which is where you'll all play your gears and then you switch it to that round. Of it. And you, you always do it. So you always
1: all take a turn and then, and then flip the town, turn right. So you're on the white round, then the black round, then yeah, the white yeah, round. Yeah. Usually I would say during the podcast, hey, let's cut this, start again. Mm. But actually I'm going to keep this and keep sure. this lack of clarity in because I feel like actually, generally speaking, my feeling of a lack of clarity whilst playing Rallyman GT was part of the reason that I didn't really sure, enjoy it. that's fair enough. So um, you have this system and then the way it works is your car, depending on whether it has... Uh, wet tires, like mm-hmm. rain tires or normal tires will have a different selection of dice it can use. And these dice are the six gears, usually, and then some dice that allow you to just cruise mm-hmm. at the current gear. And then some red dice that allow you to brake rapidly. Yep. And the way it works is you have, like with most racing games, you have these little like spaces around the course that allow you to like move around. But rather than rolling some dice and then moving a number of spaces you actually physically place these dice ahead of your car to show the move you're going to take, with the rules being that whatever gear you start in, you can only ever move up a gear or down a gear. And then each of these dice, kind of confusingly, it confused me at first, but to be fair, I had a head cold. And it might not be that complicated. <laughs> the gear one dice is all just like ones. So it's yeah. a dice where every side is a one, apart from a couple of sides, which are... Danger. Bad exclamation marks. Danger triangle! So let's say you're, you're starting the race, and you, you first, dice, first dice in the first space in front of you will be a one, then a two, then a three, then a four, and you don't really have a lot of flexibility there, because you don't. However, when you start in third gear or fourth gear, what you might do is step up to fourth, step up to fifth, and then use two of your breaking dice to skip a few gears down back into second, And then you can go up into third again. The key thing is with this Mm -hmm. is you only have one dice for each of the gears, which means in in any turn, you can only use each gear once. So if you start in a middle gear and then go down, but then, no, you can't go down, then go up. If you go (laughs) up and then break and go down, it's basically, it's actually quite tricky to get your head around. And really, it's not, it technically manages to recreate the system of changing gears Mm. and braking and doing corners in a way that makes sense and is is reflective of how cars are but (laughs) it doesn't feel like a racing game at all it feels much more like an abstract puzzle
0: there's there is a nice puzzle in using those dice in a way that's sort of really satisfying but i think there's also there's i think the the one place it succeeds that system is when you're when you do a hard break on a corner because mm-hmm. sometimes a corner will have a two on it which means you need to be in second gear to go around that corner but of course the only way you can really like accelerate is by going up the gears, going one two three four five so you might get to a corner on fifth gear and then go oh no i need to chunk it back down again and you, you'll you play two of the red brake dice sorry three of the red brake dice to go all the way down to uh second gear
1: i would take first actually take
0: oh yeah you're right you're right so you'd play two of those and the gear dice. And when you roll them, if you roll those danger symbols, then your car can spin out. And that's mm-hmm. quite nice because there's this big feeling of like doing this mad break on You know, this is someone that yeah. doesn't know how to drive. So. Well, th- well, this is the thing. is it's,
1: It does encourage you to... You have all of these dice, and if you want to, if you can find out a clever way to, to, to order them that's legal... Then you can technically, I suppose, use all of the dice in one turn. Yeah,
0: time. I think that's the sort of the goal is to be able to plan ahead in a way that you can get all the way up the gears, use your two coast dice, then do a mad break. And especially on the when you've got some long corners where you're yeah. like,
1: okay, for all four of these spaces, I need to be in second gear. You think, okay, well, I'm going to use my cruise dice here to yeah. to like keep myself in the same gear, and then I'm going to step up into third and fourth. And that's a satisfying thing. Mm-hmm. The puzzle of that. Um, but then, this is this is the part where the game started to lose me, was the fact that you have to, on your turn, place all of these dice in order to show what you're going to do, and then you decide whether or not you want to roll these dice one at a time, and at any point decide to stop your movement there, and whatever you were planning to do, go, actually, I'm not going to go up into fourth and fifth gear now, I'm going to stay in third, because I've rolled two exclamation marks, <laughs> or to roll it says roll all of your dice at once going flat out going flat out and then you get a bonus token for doing that Mm -hmm. it's kind of a risk reward thing and those bonus tokens can then be used to lock dice in the future so technically you can take a bunch of very basic gambles which then allow you to do a really ambitious move later on without having to worry about spinning Mm. out all of this on paper Sounds really soft. I know, I'm hearing right? you
0: talking about it. And it's yeah. it making me go, oh yeah, actually, maybe I really enjoyed Rally man.
1: <laughs> it's on paper, it's super clever. Sure. Like, And it makes sense. And it's really fun, this idea of building up focus on easy corners so you can have this moment where you jet ahead. But in reality, I just found as it was, my head was so in the abstract puzzle that I didn't feel like we were racing at yeah, all. Yeah. Um, And it didn't feel exciting. And also I found it's a simple thing to say, but the fact that you're putting the dice ahead and then rolling them there's something about taking a dice, putting it, putting all the dice out on the board mm. and then taking them off and rolling them, yeah. which is really unsatisfying and strange <laughs> because then it's like, especially when it's like you want to do the gamble of rolling all the dice at once, you kind of can't do that. You have to roll them one at a time just because if you take them all off and roll them, you well, need you to remember, remember Yeah, you need to remember where you'd spin where out, they were, where the and,
0: third danger dice would have been rolled. Yeah, it's strange.
1: It's, it's just kind of odd. And yeah, so... I don't know. We were playing it. We fancied a race game. In the end, actually, we ended up grabbing out the cupboard a copy of Jeff Engelstein's Pit Crew. That was fantastic. Which could not be more different (laughs) in terms of turning uh, racing into a very silly, fast paced, almost party style game rather than abstract. But again, it felt way more like a race. Absolutely. Uh, I think The the real time
0: element is, you know, just makes it feel so much more satisfying. Yeah.
1: So um, those two are not like, I'd not say like, don't no, no, bother no. with this game. Because this they're completely different. <laughs> However, it was just an interesting thing that this game had a lovely lick of art on the new edition and very well beloved game. And I'm sure, sure I can see why lots of people would love it. But for us, we thought, yeah, race game, that could be fun. <laughs> and it didn't tickle that to the point that we were just like, right, let's, let's wash this away with a palate cleansing race game that we know is going to be exciting <laughs> and fun. So, yeah. Rallyman GT. It's back around. It was beloved 10 years ago. I've got to say, personally, I did feel like it was a game from about 10 years ago. Sure, And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just very much a a different time, a different cultural thing.
0: Part of me thinks that maybe that game would be quite interesting with two players if they'd played it a lot. It might be one of those, like with two players, I think you could get over the fact that it's frustrating to put those dice down, pick them up, roll them again, blah, 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 blah. And you could maybe get into a more, a bit more of a flow with it. But with three, it felt a little bit like we were waiting a while for our turn. And also that watching other people's turns wasn't that exciting.
1: I think really it's the fight between experience and, and simulation. Sure. And I think that what Rallyman GT does to, to a degree is really ha- aims to have an effort at simulation of, mm, of sure. rather than having it being like on your turn, you're just going to go up, up a gear and move. has within your turn you having this whole sequence of changing all these gears going down braking which is what racing is like it's it's about lots of things happening in succession and always being in the right gear for the right moment and that's cool but i feel like in trying to be a simulation of race driving it doesn't actually convey the feeling of what it would be like to be a race driver yeah, In the same way that, you know, do you remember a video game, but Guitar Hero years ago, mm. there were always people who said, yeah, but this is nothing like playing guitar. Sure. And it's like the reality of it was, as was shown by the arguably a lot more fun rock band, um, <laughs> that it didn't matter. It wasn't about simulating playing a guitar. It was about simulating the feeling sure. of playing a guitar on a stage. Um, and I think that's a key thing with this really. It's like there I've played lots of racing games over the years and... I have more fun usually with the ones that don't try and get stuck into the nitty gritty. And actually, games that don't try and get stuck into the nitty gritty um, are often the most fun thematically as well. Like, generally speaking, there's a game we're reviewing in the next couple of months that we won't talk about now. Um, But a few games I have found that were actually like, when people do try and recreate things, they often get too fixated on the tiny details. And sometimes Mm. you can get lost in a fog with that and make something that's just a little tedious. Yeah. That's fair enough. It did feel a bit tedious. It did feel a bit tedious. <laughs> and if it's your kind of thing, then that's fine. Don't want to yuck anyone's yum. But uh, for me, I found it a bit tedious. Anyway, let's move on. That could be a fun yeah, point for a, a sting. Fun point for a sting. Shall
0: I do one with my mouth?
1: Fantastic. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I'm going to keep that in. Yeah, I do. Yeah. But you can like do something with it. I don't know. Mm. Put some reverb on <laughs> Matt, welcome to
0: Tom's party game special oh, I can't in wait the party game you. zone
1: You are the party animal I love partying You've actually, you're wearing a suit made of party rings It's right now
0: <laughs> A fox's party rings. Yeah They're edible, hear me eat one C- Crunch
1: Wow That was I me it You just <laughs> ate the cuffs off of your suit The entire structure of it is I mean, it's already slightly soggy in this room anyway They were delicious sure yeah so what do you think is the key element to a party outside of a party game it's a party game that's it's a key element oh it's, it is the yeah party you game. bring
0: a you're having a nice party you're having a nice social gathering what better way to make it even better than bring a game that like four people want to play
1: what about like those little bits where you get a bit of cheese and a bit of pineapple on mm, the same stick no, i'm partial to some cheese that, and some pineapple is that is that not as good as a party, party game? snacks
0: here's the tier list okay Party games, okay. Party snacks,
1: mm-hmm. music, right? People, okay. So, so we've already got some. Let's just forget about people for now. We've uh-huh. got some party snacks. We've yep. got some cheese on sticks, maybe with some pineapple as well. Oh, so definitely with pineapple. sausages. Uh, and we've got some music playing. Mm-hmm. Now we've set the mood, yep. and it's time to dive in to get a party game. But Thomas, there are so many party games. I've got
0: so many in my bag, and ready you've got a lot of party. them in your bag,
1: ready to party. You've been hammering them. Can you give us a little roundup of some of the party games you've played?
0: In the party game roundup, we're going to be talking about, probably, I hope, Stay Cool, uh, Decrypto and its expansion. Not really a party game, but we'll have them anyway. Maybe it's a pre-party I mean, it's game.
1: Like, It's the kind of party I go to these days. Let's yes. be real.
0: <laughs> uh, good cop, bad cop. Also kind of not real. You know what? The party game thing is falling apart. Guerrilla marketing, uh, trophies, and... I've got Glenmore Chronicles 2 on here. Glenmore that's Chronicles not a party 2 game. is not a party, it's not a party game. A party game. T- I tried to explain to you, it's a it's a
1: big box. As much as I've tried Euro. to make it a party game, I've failed. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you try and hinge a party party around Glenmore Chronicles 2, you're going to struggle. You make whiskey in that game. You do. You drink whiskey while you play it. I just feel like it's a game that's tricky to really feel like you're letting your hair down to. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that outside of yeah, Tom's we'll, Parties we'll, we'll get
0: back to memo chronicles 2 firmly in the non-party pile i, I get, get it, it. it's cool. okay you don't have to keep telling me that it's not a party game
1: well i think i need to show you some pictures of parties anyway <laughs> top of party tom please begin yeah, your party we'll roundup him.
0: stay cool is the first one i want to talk about it's the new game from scorpion mask it's a good... <laughs> did you like that <laughs> you made it scottish <laughs> <Scorpion> oh well... <laughs> <mask>. <laughs> i was trying to do Never mind. Stay cool <laughs> is a great game. Uh, I really, really enjoy Stay Cool. I thought it was yeah. fantastic. I looked at the box and I was like, you know what? This could be a miss. It could be a hard miss from Scorpion Mask.
1: <clears throat> but was, but it was But it was and your Scorpion Mask,
0: lad. It was uh it was really good. It was fantastic. So in Stay Cool, uh when it's your turn, you have a person to the left of you who's gonna be reading out. Uh, various questions mm-hmm. and a person to the right that's going to be also asking you various questions the person to the right you've got to answer their questions with a bunch of dice which have letters on all the sides so you've got to spell out the answer to their question and the person on the left you just have to tell them the answer um you do this in real time so there's a, a timer that's flipping around you get about two minutes i think to do mm. as many as possible and then you multiply how many of one you got right with how many of the other kind of question you got right and it is hilarious
1: yeah i've played this once really briefly at the uk games expo last year and we talked about it briefly on a live podcast um but yeah it's i found it hellacious i was yep. incredibly tired and what i love most about it was the fact that it seemed to intersperse questions that were general knowledge with questions that were simply personal like, yes what's your favorite color oh it's fantastic and people seem to struggle to answer that question <laughs> quite
0: quickly they struggle to answer both it's brilliant and there's also some of the dice questions um make use of the colors of the dice and that kind of stuff so there was one that was like Uh, It's like, hey, spell out this thing and, and you get that right and they're like, well, what's the next question like, oh make a stack of dice with, in this order red white purple orange blue and you're like okay and then it's also like a dexterity game because you're trying to stack up these dice and also you're kind of shaking because you're nervous because you're getting all the questions wrong
1: it feels like a game that's specifically designed to bash up against the cognitive limits of humans yes in a way which is funny and frustrating it's wonderful
0: it, it, it's like multitasking I, I've described it in two things it's multitasking the game or it's an anxiety attack the game because <laughs> it feels like there's two people shouting at you and there was a real bite point in one of our games where someone realized well i realized that you don't have to stop asking the question after one ask you can just keep asking the same question which is because the dice one takes longer to ask so, you know, say one of them is like, hey, what's a what's a fruit that's green and round? And they're trying to spell out apple. And you're there like, hey, but what, what is what is a fruit that's green and round? Well, they're trying to answer another question.
1: It's brilliant. It it's, sounds a bit like Uncut Gems, the game. <laughs> it really is like Uncut Gems, the game. Just terrifying anxiety, Just smashing bombarded. It it's very intense. It, it, does it? Does it let up though? Is it, is it unpleasant? Is it the sort of game where if you are prone to getting really stressed, it might just be hell?
0: Yeah, I think, I think it is. I don't think it lets up in a way that's uh, <laughs> meaningful. It doesn't give you much of a break because that's, so the first round is to, you know, to the timer. it's the sort of standard round. And the second and third rounds get more intense because the second round, uh, the timer, you t- you flip it four times and normally you don't have to say anything, but in the second round you have to say timer when you want it flipped Otherwise, the round just ends when it empties. So you've got to keep looking at the timer and going, oh, timer, and then I'll flip it for you. Oh,
1: it's got some magic maze, stuff. And then the
0: last round is exactly the same, but now you can't see the timer, so you have to guess when to
1: flip it. Oh, gosh.
0: And we got to a point where we sort of just decided to skip the third round because it is horrible. Like It's so difficult to manage. So that's
1: stay cool. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a review, obviously, but how many party toms out of five? Gets four bags of popcorn uh, and two... Large cokes yeah, and two large cokes and, and five
0: and one LCD sound system song
1: and one LCD sound system out of five. Okay, that's the first
0: game. What's the next game? Next game, I think I said was Decrypto, not really a party game, and its expansion Laser, Laser Drive. Drive. It's very cool. So Decrypto, uh, for those that don't know, is a spy code breaking mm, game. Yes, uh, everyone has four secret words, uh, and you have to give your team cl- cryptic clues to guess those words in a sequence so your third word your second word your first word and you might give you know various kinds of clues and the other team has to basically guess what your words are Mm. or the sequence of those
1: words (laughs) it's code breaking and code making yes because everyone's going to be taking down a list of all of the clues that have been applied to Mm. that word and then basically they've got to try and work out what the connection is and if they do then uh in in the world of decrypto as they say you are shafted you you've been crypted <laughs> you've been properly crypted um and it's it's
0: one of my favorite games i think we've played so many games of decrypto and we've got all the uh the used sheets that you use to write down stuff oh, nice. uh, in the box and it's funny going through and being like huh someone just put three eights as a clue <laughs> or like you know because there's no limits to what you can use as a clue yeah you, you can, can use do anything crazy stuff um so someone was like they wrote you know, the, the clue was like you know the lyrics to "Let It Happen" by Tame Impala. <laughs> I was like, it was just like, just go Google it, and you will get what I mean. I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> it's it's um it's a mad fun game. It's crunchy and it's good. And it gets people thinking. But the expansion, Laser Drive, again, I was looking at it. I was
1: like, this might not be that good.
0: It's brilliant because now it adds these Laser Drive cards. Which will be a category that one of your clues has to conform to. Both teams have to conform to it. So one of them might be a movie title. And now one of your clues has to be a movie title or an insult. One of your clues now has to be an insult. And if you want, you can... That's now just something you have to do. But if you want, you can also make all of your clues uh, conform to that category which gives you a laser... If you do it properly, if you get it right, it gives you a laser disc token. And you can spend two of them to guess the other team's word directly rather than sort of indirectly. Wow. And if you get it
1: right, there's one point. You don't need two to win the game. But also, you know exactly what that word is. Yes, you've got to get it. Wow, that's like... I like that a lot. It's cool. In the fact that it's a real risk-reward thing as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Like you're making your clues more easy to guess or harder for your own team to mm. guess. It's definitely the latter. Like, your your
0: your own team will look at your clues and you'll be like, what is this? Like, well, they're all movie titles. I'm like, that's not helpful. <laughs> yeah, um, It's fantastic. I think it's a really worth, if you like Decrypto and you've been playing a lot of Decrypto, it's really worth getting the expansion. If you're sort of, you know, if, if you're not getting it out as often as you'd like to, the expansion really makes it makes it pop.
1: Sounds like it's, gonna, it's guaranteed to speed up games to a yes. degree because it's going to make you make more mistakes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You will, you know, every single time I was trying to get, everything into the category.
1: So the sort of parties you host involve lots of people chewing pencils and staring at walls. Mm. What's going... Arr! Just like all of my parties. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much mine as well. Then yeah. uh, the Crypto and laser disc. How many um,
0: party toms out of five? I get three onion rings and one red Solo cup.
1: Okay, perfect. And for those of you uh, outside of the United Kingdom, uh, onion rings are usually a kind of crisp, or as you would call them mm. in America... Um, hand crunch bags, hand crunch bags. I that's think a little throwback to or the Clask video. There. Yeah, it is Very a bit. Of, nice. It's a bit of a Clask <laughs> joke. Ooh, it's like we're young again. Oh god. What's up next?
0: Next is Good Cop Bad Cop, which <laughs> I am less positive
1: on. Well, this has been a, a game which has been a bit of a, a, a favoured child within the party game scene of the industry. Yes, but that's that people changing So
0: I like it a lot. Good Cop Bad Cop. I'm not huge on it. I think maybe because I sit more in the in the social deduction game camp, I sit firmly with Avalon. Avalon is peak social <laughs> deduction. You can't get any better. I, I,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, maybe Blood on the Clock Tower. Blood on the Clock Tower has been very good, but
1: I've I've not played it much. That's fine. But yeah. Avalon. That's avalon is stuff. great. Like I think when <laughs> there comes a point where you have to say, actually, you know what? My time with Avalon.
0: I've yeah. avalon enough. It's definitely got to that now. point with me. I've played but hundreds. Of games it's in avalon. so good. It's while fantastic. You're in it um anyway go so go how does it comp. work the way that it works everyone's dealt three loyalty cards uh costa cafe nero and home base <laughs> <laughs> again That's some wonderful st- british, british british year only uh, uh loyalty uh, cards hey. get a stamp um you get dealt three sorry they're, they're not even called lord's cards they're called integrity cards oh, you get it three doesn't integrity matter. cards doesn't matter.
1: it's a good joke i like it <laughs>
0: um they will either be loyal or crooked and if you have, you get three of them. And if you have a majority crooked, guess what? You're what? crooked, buddy. Oh, and if you got majority loyal, you're, you're all right. Okay. Yeah. But then there's also these two other cards. So everyone's a cop. Everyone's a cop. It's whether you're a good cop or a bad cop. Uh, you got it. <laughs> Do all the cops have guns? Well, we'll talk about guns in a bit because I haven't explained two of the integrity cards. Okay. There's the agent and there's the kingpin. The agent is like the ultra good team card and the kingpin is the ultra bad team card. And if you have one of those, it doesn't matter what other cards you have. If you've got one kingpin card and two loyal cards, tough. You have the kingpin. you got to be a kingpin. And those are the ones that you want to, like, in uh, Avalon, you have, like, Merlin and the Assassin, like the, the peak good and bad roles. In Good Cop, Bad Cop, the bad team wants to kill the agent, and the good team wants to kill the kingpin. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? On your turn, you can do lots of things. You can look at someone's one of someone's face-down integrity cards just to yourself you can arm yourself which is you take a gun from the middle and you reveal one of your integrity cards to do that you can take an equipment there's a big deck of equipment cards you take one of those at random they do various things uh or you can shoot which is you shoot someone with the gun you're holding and that kills them it's pretty bad and what
1: happens when they die
0: firstly you drop the gun which is hilarious
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god what have i done
0: and if they're a normal person they die too but if you're the agent or the kingpin, you get wounded and you take an equipment card and then you keep playing. But then everyone knows that you're the Either, agent or the kingpin. The goody goody or the baddie baddie. Yeah, exactly. My opinions on Good Cop, Bad Cop are mixed because I've only played it with four people and I feel like oh, okay. you've probably right. got to play it with more.
1: No, I feel that's almost definitely true.
0: Four is the absolute minimum and the games have felt super swingy with uh, four players because it's like...
1: I imagine they would, yeah. Yeah, it's it's
0: nice, but it also means that like you can very quickly understand who's on what team and it becomes they're over in like five minutes
1: i kind of feel um, like as well personally it's interesting to have an element of your identity being split across multiple cards so it's yeah. not as simple as as in avalon where if somebody finds out you are a abaddon then yeah. all you can do is just try and lie to everyone's faces flat sure. out and it just does come down to how persuasive are you above anything else whereas but then at the same time like i do kind of feel that while it would probably be easier to get most people involved in a social reduction game where it's like, Hey, are you a, a good cop or a, a cop on the take? <laughs> than it would be to say, do you want to play a game with Merlin? In <laughs> yeah, I know the theme. Does and the lady in the lake. Um, I just, I, it's, it's also less interesting. Yeah. I think it's uh... in the way that lots of people you talk to and say, "Have you played Werewolf. And they go, Oh, that sounds like a game I've played called Mafia. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. It's sure, the same sure. game. But it's more fun to be eaten than by werewolves. I
0: think it's more fun to be mafia.
1: You do. I'm, you? On,
0: I'm in the mafia camp. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I want one night ultimate mafia where all the <laughs> mafia have come for a sleepover together. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what they do. They all meet up
1: <laughs> and they go, on this night of my favorite sleepover, <laughs> Joey, you got a toothbrush. I, r- I left mine at home. <laughs> You're asking for a, a pillow fight, <laughs> <laughs> son of a gun.
0: I would be so down for a reskin of werewolf slash mafia. Oh, that'd be brilliant.
1: Where it's, where-
0: uh, where's Mafia
1: Sleepover? Mafia
0: Sleepover. That'd yes, be so good. Sure, why not? Anyway. <laughs> but the thing with Good Cop, Bad Cop is that what it, what Avalon has less of, it's more tense and more thinky, social deduction, lying and, and intense. It's mm-hmm. definitely a sort of very, I don't know. Good Cop, Bad Cop is so quick and it's also really funny. The fact that you drop your gun when you shoot someone is fantastic and you drop your gun if you get shot as well is quite nice because it just... You just picture these cops like fumbling around, just not knowing who's on what team. And there's also, there've been a few games where one person has been on the bad team and everyone else has been on the good team. And it's just, it's funny. Like if you don't care about winning, it's fine because everyone just gets to laugh at the one person that just got the bad end of the stick.
1: And it, it's it's all right. It's yeah. fun. Well, it sounds like we should probably not give that a <laughs> Party Tom rating no. out of five because we haven't played it with... That gets it. a void. That's it. That's a, there's a void. So we'll stamp that one as void. We'll come back to and it. And we'll come back to that. We'll move on with Tom's Party Scene Party Roundup.
0: If you've got a party... I mean, it's... it's. I'm playing with four players, so that shows you what my, my cool parties have been like. Yeah. yeah. Four players playing good cop, bad It's a pretty cop. wild party, man. Yeah. Oh,
1: woo! It's like,
0: for me, it's just me and a pencil, usually. <laughs> uh, another... Fun party game in Thomas Party Game Zone was Gorilla Marketing, which we've got the inside scoop on because mm, it's coming this out. Is, this is spelled Gorilla like an animal like rather
1: an animal. than Gorilla like. I'm hiding in a bush,
0: <laughs> Which, and you can hide in the bush while playing it if your heart
1: desires. Are you sure? Because the box is quite large and long. Well, you can bring the box in the bush. I like the box in the bush. Yeah. Uh, a box in the bush is worth two in the hands. <laughs> uh, this is a bizarrely oblong, rectangular strange. box, and also the, uh, the the main. I mean, maybe this is just something.
0: It's it's. I don't know. I presume that it's going to hit retail like this.
1: I assume so. Um,
0: But the actual, like, front cover of the box doesn't have the name of the game on it. It's just on the sides. Mm. I seem to remember.
1: The designer's on the front cover. It's an interesting shape. It's a weird shape. I've got a lot of time for the shape in a strange way. So overall, I think I'd give Guerrilla Marketing... (laughs) (laughs) What is this this game? Let let me tell
0: you about Guerrilla Marketing. In Guerrilla Marketing, you are gorillas in a boardroom doing marketing. Each player has a pad and that pad is going to have a category written at the top. So it might be a toy or an automobile or a breakfast cereal. Mm. That's your category. And then each round, so the first thing you do is you pass your book to the left, and then you roll a number of dice. And you always roll between two and four dice, and they'll have letters on those dice, which will spell out an acronym. So for example, ABPL could be your acronym. And then in the booklet that you have, you write uh, a product based on Acronym. That acronym. So you have to write a breakfast cereal that is ABPL,
1: ABPL, which
0: is difficult. And then you pass it on to the next person. And then obviously now you'll have a book that has a different category and you keep doing it until you've got your original book back. And then you do the judging phase mm. where you roll the dice and you get two categories, which are fantastic because they can be things from like most dangerous to children or like <laughs> least edible. Okay. And then you judge each of the suggestions in your book based on that category. Um, And then you do a second round where you then do the same thing, but you write taglines for the original, for the product that's in your booklet. Uh, And whoever, if you, if you're judged to be the best in a category, you get a banana and the person with the most bananas at the end of the game wins mm-hmm. it's pretty good yeah like i had a fun time with it i mainly like the judging phase because you get to look through that it's like the payoff after this big build-up you basically um, get a
1: list of like all of these different breakfast cereals yes
0: with like and the fact that you don't remember what the original acronym is is fantastic because you, you're just like why is someone this doesn't make any sense oh,
1: so you don't even record what the acronym no no
0: no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> what the actual acronym was oh wow like, this is very verbose I'm like yeah,
1: i was <laughs> i was trying to work with it <laughs>
0: um it was good I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun game. But I think it's one of those things where the alternative recommendation is that it's done better in, I think it's the fifth Jackbox Party Pack, uh, which has this game called Patently Stupid. Because the thing with guerrilla marketing is there were so many times when I just wanted to do something really silly because I had this idea in my head and I could get the first three parts of it to work with the letters. And then I had to do one last word that was kind of superfluous. And the creative sort of restrictions made it, feel like you couldn't be at your funniest almost. Mm. Um it was like the game was overtaking the sort of experience, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. Um whereas the the Jackbox version of this game is Me stupid. You design a product but you draw it, then you come up with a tagline, and then you come up with a name. And like the world is your oyster. You just have to answer the prompt. And that game also comes with a presenting phase where you then present
1: the uh, the product you've designed, yeah, and it's fantastic. I've played this. It's a, it's a it's a video game for those yes. who don't know. Oh yeah, sure. um, <laughs> and it's a a PC video game that usually you play on, on on your phones, on your phones basically. So everyone's phone. For those who haven't played them, they're pretty neat. Uh, You can put it up on the telly and then everyone can log in using a web address and a code on their phone and everyone plays individually on their phone and then stuff gets shown up on the TV. Uh, I found that one particularly had an annoyingly obnoxious intro that went on forever. Absolutely, But once you're into it, the fact that you then have this little presentation period where you can say, so, ladies and gentlemen, this is, and you can press a button as if you are doing a crap PowerPoint If you're like clicking
0: through slides, basically. Mm -hmm. And there was something fantastic, like the thing with guerrilla marketing is I played it with, um, one of the people was a non-native English speaker, which basically completely ruled her out for a lot of the the stuff. It was tricky. Um, She was saved by her handwriting, which was excellent. Uh, (laughs) But the, um, and then I was also thinking about how I've played Patently Stupid, this, uh, the Jackbox board game, whatever thing, uh, well, video game. Um, with my family and with my younger sister, who's eight, and who had a brilliant time with that because her inventions were just bonkers, and watching her present them was hilarious. Whereas you absolutely couldn't get the same group around guerrilla marketing, and I think that guerrilla marketing would be the perfect game for just a group of writers, <laughs> because it's it's the you know creativity often comes from restriction right and having those horrible acronyms means that you can really appreciate that someone's done something really clever
1: I think that's an interesting thing actually though because we found in the past that we found games that we absolutely adore um, games like Fun Employed are a good example whereby if you're playing it with a bunch of people who are very funny and very good at improvising stuff and very good at physical comedy then it is the funniest thing however if people aren't, then it's can be more of a struggle.
0: It's more if people aren't willing to engage with it, I think. Yeah. It's the fact that like some people hey, they just don't fancy going during that, yeah. fun employed. That's all good. Yeah. But guerrilla marketing is like there's one way to play it and and the way to play it is to be clever and good at acronyms. Yeah. <laughs> Which
1: is very much like, can um, you be clever and witty and good at turning absolutely. acronyms into ridiculous products? Yeah. And yeah. It's tricky. <laughs> yeah. I, I really struggle with it. I mean, but, I think there's there's a really interesting there's definitely a a, a market for that though it's yeah. definitely like if you've got a bunch of friends who are super witty but maybe not that outgoing maybe you wouldn't want to mm. maybe you wouldn't want to do the bit of because my brother loves uh patently stupid but he's very much the person who would love to stand up and do a ridiculous yeah. Yeah. stupid presentation about a fictional product but if that side of it makes you go no 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 no, but you would like the idea of writing <laughs> down sure. lots of funny things and then laughing about them
0: Sounds pretty good it's it's definitely on the sort of the chiller the, the more chill end of the party game spectrum it's not really a party game as well I mean it goes up to 8 um, it sounds like it's got a lot of rules. It's not- it, For something that's quite simple. It looks like a lot of rules. And I was looking at the rule bit like, eh? But then once you start playing it, super simple. It's, it's, just, it's just bananas. And you just, you roll some dice, you pass the books around, you make acronyms. Like once you've got into it, really simple. It's one of those games where one person needs to know how to play and they can drip feed the rules one by one. And it kind of organically explains itself.
1: They can be the organ grinder. The organ grinder. Yeah, nice. So I will give- I'm just f- congratulating myself on my own rubbish joke.
0: <laughs> I'll give that one three organs out of five.
1: Mm, okay. That's yep. three organs out of five for uh, Tom's party uh, metrics. Party metrics. And that was Guerrilla Marketing from Roxley Games. Yes. Oh, you quite like that one, right? It was nice. It was good. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I liked it. What's the next one? Next one. Next up is
0: I have forgotten trophies trophies which trophies. You, you had a lot of fun with i had a lot of fun i've only played it once this that's the is... other disclaimer thomas party game roundup is so disappointing Well, it's
1: fine because it's fine like you know how many times are you going to play it at a party you're quite right if you have played it once and had fun with it honestly trophies comes in a small metal tin it's, it's like great. an oversized mince tin
0: it's wonderful So it's pretty big it's a nice little chunky thing it's like a little
1: chunky thing. And I think it's, it's worth, I think it's notable because of the fact that I looked at it and I thought this looks naff. Mm. Um, and it's a game whereby it comes with a tiny little metal trophy. That oh, it's you great. You win each round. Yep. And it's based on a, f- a game that a family created, a kind of lore game that they created mm. within their own family and played and then thought, you know what, this is great. And whilst that's really sweet, it's also the sort of thing which I look at usually and go, oh, is this going to be... Yeah. Is this going to be a bit weak? It but has that feeling. It's...
0: Yeah, it has the feeling of being a little game that's been played by families, and it's it's really sweet. It's nice. You have this effectively. You have this big stack of cards. The cards have like six categories on one side and a letter on the other. And you go through um, the deck of cards, however many you want. One person's the judge, and they're holding this deck, so they're showing everyone else the letter, and they see the categories. And they'll when the game starts, they shout out a category, and everyone has to race to say a thing that begins with that letter and is part of that category. And it's super simple. That's all there is to the game. At the end of the game, the person with the most cards, because you win the card if you get it right, um, is the winner. And most crucially, Matthew. Mm-hmm. When they win, they get to take the little trophy home—the tiny little metal trophy. It's in the rule book. It says take the trophy, and then when you play trophies again, you're playing for the trophy, which is great. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, sure, that that's sounds, a real stakes that to the like game. A lot of fun.
0: I was living in fear of one of the people I was playing it with because I was playing it with my one of my housemates and two people that I hadn't seen for ages, and they live. Not in Southampton. And I was like, if they win, I'm not going to see that trophy ever again. <laughs> so well, the stakes were high.
1: Yeah, we had a, a situation uh, last year. We, last March, we played a, uh, an all day streamed version of Twilight Imperium. Yes. Uh, whereby uh, Efka from No Pun Included brought along a trophy, a handmade trophy that his friend had <laughs> made, which was the Twiglets Imperium uh, championship trophy, which Twiglets, if you're not familiar again, another British snack. A lot of UK. Really holding a lot of British snacks <laughs> under the nose of any of our international listeners. Twiglets are terrible, by the way. Yeah, they're basically just fan. like twigs covered in marmite. Oh and it's odd, an, awful. It's,
0: it's a mistake. Is marmite another? Marmite's definitely another Britishism as yeah, well, isn't uh, it?
1: Australians call it Vegemite, which is a different thing. Wait, 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 um, oh, they're different they're different. They're different. They're things. different. Okay. Um, and people argue that one's better than the other. I'm not going to have a horse <laughs> in that war. <laughs> anyway, this is... A uh, This was a problem because I then took this trophy to another game and I lost it. Uh, and, uh, I lost it to a man who's, I think, living in Australia. Oh, my God. However, the trophy is still living in the UK. which But sure. it means that no one can... It's like being held for him there. I see, But I no see. one can win it off him until the next time he's in the UK, <laughs> which upset Efka because he's like, oh, well, I wanted to try and win the trophy back. And it's like, okay, so I've got to kind of win it back. Yeah. So I can then allow efka a chance to win it back. just like uncut gems as well yeah it's exactly (laughs) like that and i I, it's it's complicated i think you need to accept that if you're gonna hand a trophy to someone else that you might never see it again Mm. but isn't that strange to have a board game a tiny little party game with a component that you may actually on purpose lose i think it'll be almost funny to say because there's also
0: a participation award so the person that uh comes you know which you deem as a judge to have come second gets a participa- participation award i can't say that word um is that a trophy it's not a trophy it's just a card and you don't get to keep it but i, li- <laughs> <laughs> but I like the idea that uh
1: that's so weak <laughs> <laughs> if they get to keep this trophy forever you get a card well, if you just participated you were know, just there but it's wonderful it's such a <laughs> side eye award
0: but i like the idea that if someone won the trophy and then you didn't then play the next game with them you'd be like, well. The trophy's not here, so we're just playing for the participation <laughs> award until the king comes home. But okay. it's it's a super simple game. It's really funny because it's great that as the judge, you can't see what the letter is because you're holding the, the categories up and the letters facing them, the categories are facing you. So when you say like, oh. like it was, um, I just said one of the categories was a board game and they were all like, Oh God! And I was like, "How hard could it be?" And then it was a board game beginning with jay which I mean is difficult. Yeah, it took me a while. I ended up with Jumanji. Yeah, no, that's the first one I came to and, as well. I mean, is J- and then someone said Jenga. I was like, "Is Jenga a board game?" And they're like, "Give us this, please!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they been trying to guess it for ages, um but it's it's really sweet. It's a nice little game. I feel like I'll just come back to it as like a little sprightly. Like it takes like five minutes. Like a, an appetizer. No, sure. I mean, bigger. it sounds like a
1: lovely little thing. It's I looked great. at it and thought, is there enough there? But actually, it sounds like there is. Yeah, it's really lovely. sweet. That is trophies.
0: I give that... Oh, God. I've, I'll give that one party hat. One party hat. And
1: nine pieces of confetti. Nine pieces of confetti. That's a good out of Out of five. That's fantastic. Thank you very much, Party Tom. I'm sure we will return to your party realm yeah. once again in the future. Once we have racked up another few more wild da, parties. Da, na, na.
0: Won't you... Won't you Take me to. Dun, 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 pa- party, party time.
1: <laughs> Why are you taking me to? Party time. So, because Tom uh, teased it lovingly mm. in his party roundup, Glenmore Chronicles 2, the ultimate party game, uh, Glen- or Glenmore 2 Chronicles. Yes. Uh, but I like to think of it as called Glenmore Chronicles 2, mm-hmm. Glenmore with a Vengeance. Uh, is a sequel to a little old game called Glenmore, mm-hmm. which, I'm not going to lie, haven't played. No, neither. Uh, but I can imagine would be quite fun. Mm. But Glenmore Chronicles 2 is an interesting thing in the fact that it's, it's one of many games at the moment getting on board with this idea of having a bloody massive box with things in it and modular bits. Yes. And it has a very fun conceit in the fact that what you've got here is a game mm. of building out your own little Scottish Glen. It's one of the games in the genre... There's quite a lot of them uh, because there just seem to be a crossover between, in the same way that people in America are quite obsessed with Ireland. Sure. A lot of people in Germany are quite obsessed with (laughs) Scotland. Um, And why wouldn't wouldn't, you be? Why wouldn't you be? To be be? fair, it's great. So this is a game in which you are building out your own little glen along these rivers and you're putting down tiles. And every time you put down a tile, it's going to activate all of the tiles around it, uh, both diagonally and orthogonally wow wow which means that's right you could be activating a lot of tiles at once eight one might say yeah but that's you know yeah. nine 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 eight nine including the one You're quite right it's yeah. possible yeah. It is we've seen it happen <laughs> we've seen it happen um so yeah there's a bit of a simple thing here of you wanting to build something out but you also have the rule you can only have a build next to your little one of your little people who was walking around your clans the man? lands. Now, so far, this might sound a bit similar um, to Isle of Sky, which mm-hmm. is a game we reviewed a few years ago and really, really liked. And it is a bit like that, but Isle of Sky is less complicated. Glenmore was a bit fiddly, and it had a lot of interesting combo stuff going on. And funnily enough... It could get you could get kind of stuck because some of the actions on the tiles were move one of your little people around the board. Yeah, if you weren't able to activate that by putting a tile down to get more movement, then you might just have a situation whereby you couldn't meaningfully do anything for a turn or two.
0: You could super goof yourself, especially because one of the victory point scoring conditions is having uh, all your Scotsmen in the same place. Mm -hmm. So you'd lump them all encouraging you to keep them all at home. (laughs) So you put them all at home and then if you box them in, toast. You toast. Yeah. So ideally you think it's oh, really spread sportsmen. all over the place.
1: Mm. But actually, no, you want them all at home. Yeah. Uh, so there's you want to keep people at home, you want to try and make loads of whiskey and some other things. And the interesting thing about it is you think at first, oh, it's gonna be like Isle of Sky, you're building this big landscape. And in reality, you kind of weren't, because it has a system whereby you have tiles that have river connections on them and that is just a straight line. The river in the game does not weave off. The river will just go from left to right across the middle of your, your kind of board. And a lot of these tiles are really good. So it means rather than building these strange, wonderful, gigantic, sprawling things, you do tend to build out your towns sideways, which is actually honestly functionally for a board game quite good because it means that you have room for it on the table <laughs> and it doesn't start being this horrible thing you have to keep shuffling around. And then you're building things, you're getting resources, you're spending resources to turn things into things. And that is the game of Glenmore. Yeah. The Chronicles boxes add little mini things to them. Ah,
0: they were cute. It's very cute. It's so cute. Yeah, they come as like little books and you slide them out like a little library of expansions. Yeah, so it's It's a library
1: of mini expansions, each of which the idea is is a slightly different story within the world of Glenmore. Um, And the first one... Uh, was wonderful. It was a boat race. Oh, it was so good. The boat race was the best one. <laughs> Absolutely. It means you get a little wooden boat and there's a certain point in the game, because uh, actions are taken, we should point out, as a, a kind of rondel. It's an ongoing, infinitely updating Oroboros rondel, <laughs> which for those of you who are not super familiar with this sort of thing, means that you can choose to go ahead as far as you want in this circle of potential tiles that you can take. However, it will always be the player at the very back of the order who will take the next turn, which means if you see something really far around the circle and you think, oh, but I really need that, then you can take it. But it might then mean that the other players get to take two or three or more tiles before you get to choose one again. And there's a finite number of tiles in the game. And once they're gone, the game's over. At one point, the boat race began. <laughs> Everyone, everyone's boats began to move. And basically, whenever you then had movement points, rather than moving your little people around the board, you could move your boat down the river. And this is such a lovely touch. It, uh, it wasn't interaction in any meaningful <laughs> way, but it felt like it because your boat would continue to the left. And then what happened when it went off the edge of my board? It goes off your player board and it goes onto to my player board. Yeah.
0: It turns up and you say, hello to the little boat. Yeah. It's cute.
1: And basically your boat would then travel along the rivers on <laughs> everyone else's player boards until it came home and you get little rewards as you mm. went, as you passed other people's hometowns. Very sweet. Super sweet. It's super sweet also i love the slightly inception mind-bending reality of the fact that <laughs> you could basically go off the edge of your board to the left and then in the next few turns try as much as you could to expand your liver your river to the left <laughs> we haven't got to the whiskey
0: mechanics yet right? yeah.
1: <laughs> nice nice you could just to make it so that you had a massive river so that yep. the river you travelled through was really short but then everyone else would find it <laughs> dramatically longer it's, it's like uh,
0: you have the map of the area and then when they get to yours people, the Scotsman they're like oh what way is it to my village oh it's like it's over there somewhere, somewhere. Right. it's like
1: <laughs> so, but that was a fun thing some of the other modules included uh, systems so you could age your whiskey mm-hmm. To make it uh, more valuable, and haggis.
0: The haggis was probably <laughs> the most
1: exciting part of the game to watch because I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't, didn't really partake in the haggis. All well, the whiskey. Yeah, there so you go. <laughs> there was no need. Um, but the the haggis system was kind of bonkers, and you could fill up your little haggis plate <laughs> with haggises that you then flip over when you roll the haggis dice Look, four times. Matt, it was haggis gambling. It was. Basically you can come out gambling. and say it. It was gambling, and I got real... I got in too deep with my haggis You gambling.
0: kept pulling the slot machine, the haggis slot machine
1: Yeah, after you've had the four communal haggis rolls you can choose to buy extra personal haggis rolls, and I mean like rolling a dice rather than like a sausage yeah. roll um, to roll the dice again And because if you really, if you get the good rolls, mm, it's worth it's a lot in. of You were points. getting so many, like, I
0: really wanted to get into the haggis mechanics, but unfortunately I left it way too late and I was watching, you know, you guys just pull in so many points I spent from your haggis rolls. three
1: whiskey barrels, which is not <laughs> insubstantial. It's a lot. Just so I could try and roll a three on the dice. <laughs> and it was only when you pointed out that it was a one in six chance of that that I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> like, this is real dumb. You've had all the whiskey, you've had some haggis. And so I, ga- rolling, I gave rolling, up rolling. and it, it ended up badly for me. Anyway, um, it's a really fun idea. The thing about it is, is... There are like twelve chronicles, I think, yep. in the box. And some of them, early ones, are pretty great, pretty mm. fun. As boat being race. like this time yeah. we're gonna first time boat race, second time whiskey and haggis. Yeah. Slightly more than we needed, but complicated <laughs> up a tree. As they go on, some of them less interesting. Yeah. one of them adds like very specific rules for all of the different location cards yep. to try and embed actual scottish lore and history into the game in a meaningful way that frankly just looked like a head boggle that were required to check the manual constantly it looked baffling and looked like okay we um, already had to check the manual quite a lot for yes, the haggis and the whiskey yes. so it was very much a game of pass me the manual yep. a lot of the time <laughs> um and then as it goes on it gets bonkers like i think one of them is like glaswegian street gangs there's,
0: there's like yeah Twelve like, different Glaswegian sweet st- street gangs. You can buy the favor. Yeah, of. these
1: like fictional criminals yeah. on cards that do things, and it's like, okay, stop. So basically, yeah, I think for me, having not played Glenmore, I think Glenmore's probably quite a fun, sweet little yeah, game. Probably, I really like this idea of having these little story books that take a Euro game and mix it up with a different element. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like this is one of these cases where it's a big box that has twelve. If it had maybe four.
0: Yeah, I think four would be a good amount. Maybe like, because some of them did seem like very superfluous and a little bit like an afterthought. It's but an we haven't played them, so they could really change but the game. We'll I don't see know. what
1: happens. I feel like this is an interesting bit of framing. in The fact that actually another game we reviewed not that long ago, Taverns of Tiefenthal. Ah, yes. Which basically has five modular expansions, uh, which can be played in combination or with all of them. Mm-hmm. I feel like if, that, if they had come in four, five little tiny cardboard tomes mm. of extra bits and extra rules, then that might have been like a gorgeous, wonderful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas I feel like I like the idea of these little boxes of these mini chronicles. In reality, it was a game with 12 modular expansions that didn't need that. Yeah, no. I,
0: I mean, that. imagine playing with all 12, it would be... Hell. But
1: arguably, we were playing a game which was designed as kind of fan service for people who liked Glenn yeah, more. Absolutely. And wanted Glenn more more, 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 more.
0: And the component quality was fantastic. Yes, Yeah, that's
1: real chunky punch board. Chunky punch board. Stay tuned for, for
0: Tom's punch board review
1: <laughs> coming <laughs> soon. It's probably going to happen at some point <laughs> on the podcast. Uh Yeah, so that's Glenmore Chronicles 2. You know, we we found it nice. Yeah, there's I,
0: some I, lovely I, stuff in there. Like, I really like the, the differential scoring was lovely, where it's like, you score based on who has the least and if you've got the most then you score the difference between you Mm -hmm. and the person who has least scores nothing and that's it's nice that was a good idea because it
1: meant that it wasn't like if me and you both had loads it wasn't like oh neither of us get any points because we both did it really well (laughs) all that it relied on was somebody having done it badly absolutely and then we all get points uh, there was a lot to like. It just wasn't terribly exciting. And uh, yeah, it's it's definitely something where if someone says, hey, do you want to play a Euro game with a mad boat race and some whiskey? You should definitely say yes. yes. But as a, a big box thing, I don't know if it needs... It's a big box. Yeah. It's a very big box. I think I
0: was more positive playing it because I haven't played a lot of the comparison games. So it was like, for me, I was like, this is really quite gentle and nice. So one day I'd like to return... To Glenmore.
1: Yeah, I would say actually that when we uh, talked about Isle of Sky and the mm. fact that Isle of Skye had expansions that made it much more complicated, I personally feel like rather than... If you played Isle of Sky and thought, I'd like something a little bit similar to this, both thematically and kind of mechanically, even though that was very much more a game of building maps rather than building abstract puzzles that keep popping off each other in combos, this, this felt to me like a better version of like a complex version of that than <laughs> Isle of Sky with the expansions, where I sure. kind of felt like it started to run away into the realms of being a little bit like, whoa! And not everyone in <laughs> Down agrees with me, but I was like, Isle of Sky, I think is a is a perfect little simple thing, right? And if you try and make it vastly more complicated, you're kind of getting into the realms of nah, What you want is a big box Euro thing. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to make this simple light thing <laughs> hellacious. Anyway, that's Glenmore Chronicles too. We quite liked it. We played it twice yeah. just because. We, we liked Scotland enough. We wanted to crack open the haggis. We did. We want to find out what that haggis felt like. And you know what? Felt good. Felt pretty good. <laughs> ah, fantastic. Now, before we wrap up the podcast and sail back into our, our cave, we've got a couple of things to talk about in terms of stuff on the website at the moment. So we've just, just last week had a review of Bunny Kingdom, mm. which is a game we played first time about three or four years ago. I couldn't help but go back to it. We had an expansion Mm. in the sky. Uh, I think it's a wonderful family game. Quinn's thinks with the expansion, it's a wonderfully bitey back and forth two player hellscape. And Tom just sort of hates it. Yeah, I
0: think it's the worst game ever made. He just hates it. Um, Yeah, it's appalling.
1: (laughs) So it's definitely worth checking out that video because it features a really wide range of opinions uh, and some really very, very uh silly silly stuff. Yeah I
0: think there definitely has uh, a sort of third act twist in yeah. that video. <laughs> it's
1: it's an entirely sensible review for mm. about two-thirds of it and then it just gets a bit daft. It it um, really is. I don't know if that will continue with the video reviews. It's it's funny every now and then we go through phases of being quite quite serious and quite mm. simple. But other phases of going very, very silly. Can't, can't promise it will continue. So get it while the bacon is still hot. And uh, yeah, also on the site recently, we have an updated version of a video that Quinn's made a while ago about how to teach games, how to nail the teach, some little tips about how to be better at teaching games. And on that note, I'm going to just bring up something very briefly that I realised. In the podcast we did, either the last podcast or the podcast before, I was talking about Letter Jam and about the fact that I couldn't stop thinking about it. Mm. Yeah. And about the fact that it was this this weird puzzle to me of the fact that I really liked it, but I couldn't quite work out when it was for, was it a party game? Was it a serious game? Was it a hardcore co-op? It yeah, do- doesn't
0: really have room in Thomas party zone, I'm afraid. No, it
1: doesn't. And i worked out the thing that was bothering me about Letter Jam. Yeah. Is it's a game that is so dependent on how well you are able to teach it. Really? Yes. That's because it's a game that has quite a few rules. Sure. And quite a few stages and the thing I've realized about it is it's effectively like a good magic trick mm. in the fact that if you can teach that game well and reveal each stage of the game well, then it's wonderful. Because actually the rules you teach at each point, you go, now we've moved to this phase of the game where this happens. It is like a wonderful magic trick in the fact that you go ah, and you reveal something and everyone goes, oh, ah. and it's a game <laughs> that has all these little magic rules in it, which are fun and delightful. And just like with any brilliant evening of dinner, if you pull out the entrées and I don't know, no, if you pull out a, the soups and the, the, the meat apart dishes the and the desserts, it was
0: magic, now it's dinner. No, it's fine. It's, it's a magical magic dinner. dinner. <laughs>
1: Listen, if you like, let's just say I bring out and it's like a kind of, uh, it's like a meringue, mm. a floating meringue dish Yep, and it's on fire. Wow. Mm. But on fire in a good way, like a okay. purple flame. Yeah. 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 See. And I walk wow, out now like I'm in trance. And now you're like, oh, this is a magical evening, yeah. right? I, I want to play Letter J. What happens if I bring it out and it's on fire, but in a bad way?
0: Oh, that's and dangerous. I'm kind of spilling it. You've and, ruined my party. Right. With your game that's not a party and game, it's a meringue on fire. Here's
1: the key thing, <laughs> Matthew. We've, told, uh,
0: we've talked about this. Listen, you're meant to bring games to games night, not meringues. I know. On fire. I can't
1: help myself. But listen, here's the important thing the meringue that's on fire and beautiful, and the meringue that's on fire in a bad, unfortunate way. Yep. Turns out that actually, once you put out the fire, either way, the meringue is exactly the same wow. and just as delicious. Right?
0: You know what? You actually tied that up
1: in a way that was beautiful. Thank you. But that's lesser jam And the fact that I have found one have played it. It's gone down really differently every time and I've I've stuck at it like a a stoic dog because I've mm-hmm. been like, What is it about this I don't get? There's something here and the thing that you didn't me. get was you. It was me. It was you all along. Well, this is the thing is, we talk a lot about this stuff and I wouldn't be surprised if it's something that Quinn's goes into detail in the video, which he's working on right now. But it's the fact that, you know, sometimes you do your best with a teach and teaching, Mm. but sometimes it doesn't quite work and it's not your fault. If you can't engage people, if people aren't listening to you, if people aren't concentrating, there's only so much you can do and you can't bully people into doing it. So I think sometimes I've tried to teach it and people haven't quite got it and they haven't listened and you don't get that magical ah, moment where people listen, hear a rule, understand a rule, understand the significance of the rule, realise mm. that that rule is magic, and yeah. then have a lovely time because they're looking the other way when you bring the flaming <laughs> meringue into the room.
0: Like, you should have been looking just a minute ago. There were
1: meringues in both my hands. Exactly. And they were all on fire. So I find that fascinating in the fact that Letter Jam by Czech Games Edition, I believe that's the name of the publisher, CGE, CGE. Um, is... I think a magical game with a series of mechanical reveals when you explain how the game works, that is wonderful. I love that stuff. And a really interesting, fun, cooperative experience that's not quite like anything else. But I also think that if you have a hard time teaching it and a hard time explaining it and people don't quite clock it, it just feels laborious and clunky and people kind of get frustrated because it feels like there are more rules than there should be. And that's the puzzle. Oh, the puzzle is in the teach. There we go. And if you want to learn more about the teach and learn how to sharpen up your teach, then head over to shutupandsitdown.com or to our YouTube channel, uh, YouTube Shut Up and Sit Down, to watch videos of that and our review of Bunny Kingdom. Because a lot of people listen to the podcast yeah. don't even know we have a YouTube channel. Fools. I mean, I don't think they're fools, but it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's like if that's what your thing and you don't like watching videos, that's fine. But yeah, maybe one day, good. maybe one day treat yourself. Close the curtains. Yeah. Put the TV on. Get a glass of wine. Get a glass of wine. And
0: watch two grown men pretend to be bunnies.
1: Exactly. No one has to know. (laughs) Well, I think that's when we're going to wrap up this podcast for this time. But please join us in two weeks where we're going to be back talking about, guess what? Board games board games yes
0: I wanted to do a different one I want to do the cake cast we talk mm-hmm. about our favourite moments in the Great British Bake Off
1: no that's not going to happen Tom please I'm very sorry Tom. I need this Tom I'm going to have to pin you down okay. while we end the podcast right. thank you very much for listening and if you have enjoyed this then sure give us a little review on iTunes if you like or just tell somebody about it please tell someone anyone thank you goodbye
0: bye